Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope everybody's doing well. Everybody's doing amazing, great with the pandemic. I hope everybody's safe. This is another episode of Doe Weekly Podcast. This week, I want to talk. Well, we've had some tragedy this week. DMX has passed away. That troubles me. I think DMX is a an amazing rapper, amazing person. Just, I uh, really enjoyed his music. But anyway, stay away from the news. Don't want to hear anything they've got to say. Um, I want to say welcome back to the weekly podcast. And, you know, we've tried to set up a new system. And we're going to try to drop an episode every week. And uh, we're small and sometimes that's hard, but we're trying. Um, we're going to try to put new videos on Instagram. Um so look for more information on our, our episodes on Instagram. Um, follow us at Jeremy Pell Doe Weekly Podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Doe Weekly Podcast. Uh, if you want to help the, the podcast out, you can download Cash App and uh, go under uh, dollar sign J-E-R-E-M-Y-P-E-L-L and you can send us a donation of a dollar, $10, Whatever you can to help us support the show. Um, it's, I mean, it, it's it's difficult sometimes to produce a show. And especially, it's, it's just me. And I mean, I, know, I enjoy it. I do. Sometimes it gets hard and it really is hard. But um, we do our best. You know, this week I want to talk about a case that everyone knows, a story that everyone knows. And if you hear paper, that's because I have paper and I like paper. I write things down on paper about Jack the Ripper. I want to look at Jack the Ripper from a, a different standpoint. You know, everybody tells the story and it's always about this little town. And of course they'll mention things that were wrong with, with watch, what, uh, chapel back in 1888 but you i don't think they emphasize enough on how terrible this area was this area was very 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 poor very very dangerous violence and crime were everywhere so as these women are approached by by this gentleman it's it it wouldn't stand out to them because I don't think you realize how horrendous lives, the lives of these poor women, how horrendous and terrible they were. It was a terrible existence, the lives that these women lived. Um, and so, you know, someone coming up and slapping them across the face is nothing to them. That's something they dealt with every day. And they, they were in the throes of just their addiction. And their addiction had overcome it had taken over, and they were masters and slaves to their addiction at this point. Alcohol, drugs, anything they could get their hands on. They were addicts, and they were in a situation that gave them no options. They were, it was absolute desperation, and that's where they were. They were forced into a corner of desperate. They were just desperate, desperate. These poor women had nowhere to turn. They were at the bottom they had hit rock bottom. They were selling themselves just to get a, a, a probably a, a floor to lay on at night. So 
I want to put a little bit of emphasis on just how disturbing the area of Whitechapel was. So what I'm going to, to do is I'm going to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story that, that after you hear it, you'll want to go and hide under your bed. And if it looks anything, if your bed looks anything like underneath it, like my son's, then that in itself is scary. But so let's go back in time, 133 years, and, and let's go back to 1888 in an area of London, England called Whitechapel. This is the east end of, of London. This is the worst part of London possible. Murder, crime, prostitution. As many as 1,200 prostitutes were, were active in this area at the time. Murder, sewage in the streets, a back alley abortions being done. It, it was a t rough, 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 dangerous, filthy, full of violent people that had given up on life. A lot of immigrants had come into this area, not not putting them in a, in a bad situation. But what I'm saying is there wasn't a lot of, there's a lot of new people. So there wasn't a lot, maybe every week or every day, new people were coming in. So they didn't know the names of people. And it was very easy back then. Just if you wanted to drop a new identity, you just changed your name. But my point with the immigration is there's just a lot of new people coming into to this country to try to make a better life. And they end up on the east side of London and Whitechapel. Um, and so people take advantage of that. And, and this area was, was full of violent people. Some people had given up on life. More than 1,200 women have turned to prostitution out of pure desperation and addiction. Sewage fills the streets that are barely lit with terrible gas lamps that most of the time don't even work. The back alley abortions are common. Disease is everywhere. Some due to the sanitation and some due to just sexually transmitted disease. Children have a 50-50 shot of reaching the age of five. The other 50% die. So to understand this story, you must understand Whitechapel in 1888. Immigrants trying to find a better life, only to find work is sparse, sparse and crime is rampant. People sleeping on streets, and if you're lucky enough to get a, a bed, it's in a room filled with other people. So desperation and disease are the two main themes of Whitechapel. That, mixed with a bloodthirsty monster, starting to put his demonic desires on anyone he can get his hands on. The next few months in Whitechapel will be the worst than ever before because a monster is loose in the dark streets, ready to cut and mutilate women. One dirty, addicted, drunk, desperate prostitute at a time. So here's what happened. I hope you can handle it. So we go back to Whitechapel and like I said, it's a very poor, very disgusting, very nasty area. These women that end up being the five victims of Jack the Ripper, the can't, can't, oh my God, you're going to make me say it. The cannon, 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 the cannon, cannon, cannonical, <laughs> help us Lord. The cannonical five, the cannon, cannonical, cannonical. Five, the canon echo five. The canon echo five. The canical, the canal, canical five. Anyway, um, these are the five women, and I was just, just, I, I, my tongue gets twisted on that word. I can't say it. Um, like rural, rural, 
rural, rural area. The rural, rural. Anyway, make fun. But you look at these murders. You know, the image of of Jack the Ripper is, is, is seared into people's brains. And the the gruesome gruesomeness of the of the crimes I think really stood apart at the time. Well at that time there was a lot. I'm gonna give you my theory on who I think would be the perfect Jack the Ripper suspect here at the end. But you know they had a few. There's a bunch of them. I mean I don't quite understand some of it, but we'll get into that. Um Marianne Nichols is 42 years old. She's been estranged from her husband for a while. And Marianne was murdered on October 31st, 1888. She was last seen alive around 2.30 a.m. on the corner of Whitechapel Road and Oxburn Street. And at roughly 3.40 a.m., she was found by passing workman Charles Cross in Bucks Row. So we're talking an hour and 10 minutes from alive to found dead. She was addicted to alcohol. She was getting her hands on whatever drugs she could. She's selling herself to buy room, to buy a room with just a small mattress and rum, just to lay her head on, not the rum, but the mattress. Um, and on this night, she meets a man and agrees to a price. So now they go to a back street. And we're not talking, hey, come back to my nice plush hotel room. Let's light a candle and, and make love. We're talking that this girl would go to a back alley, pull her skirt up, high, bend over, and, and take one and get her money so she can go get her drink in her, her room. This is not, don't paint this picture in your head of like a romanticized prostitute that's bringing her John back to a room. This woman's going to a street, probably bending over a trash can, and it right there is where the deed is done. Um, so she goes to bend over in this dirty alley back street and takes it from behind, hopefully, real quick, I'm sure in her mind. But she gets her throat slashed twice, stabbed repeatedly in her stomach, and her abdomen sliced open. Now, once her throat's cut, she's dead. So anything that happens to her after that, she's not alive for this is not about torturing her, per se. This gruesome act is, is fulfilling the desires of Jack the Ripper. So the early hours of August 31st, 1888, the two workmen, like I said, on their way to work, found her laying there in Bucks Row uh, near London Hospital. She had uh, not been dead too long, and what kind of monster could do this right in the middle of a back alley road? Now, nothing is out of the norm for Whitechapel just yet, you know, because this is a rough place, and a murdered prostitute is, is really not uncommon there. Now, she was slashed and cut open, but it wasn't, uh, yeah, you know, they see a lot of crime and a lot of shit go on, and uh, it's, it's really just an, another day for them. But uh, eight days later, on Saturday, um, the 8th, 9-8, September the 8th, eight days later. 47-year-old Annie Chapman was out looking for that quick back alley service she provides. Unfortunately, when her body was found around 6 a.m., her throat had been slashed twice, and she was completely 
disemboweled, her intestines thrown over her shoulder, her uterus was missing. She was found at 29 Hanbury Street, Spitzfield. It's her final resting spot, and this monster is fast and precise. All of this done, outside, no cover, really other than just the darkness and, and, and cold-heartedness of Jack the Ripper. She was 47. She was murdered on September the 8th, 1888. Um, she was found next to steps leading into the backyard at 29 Hanbury Street. Like I said, her uterus is missing. So, first victim was cut. Second victim, excuse me, was disemboweled, and her uterus was missing. So, to me, that stands out. So we go a few more days down the road on September the 30th. We've got 45-year-old Elizabeth Stride. And she was happy hanging outside a busy bar, Duffield's Yard, waiting for a possible hookup for some money. She was seen talking with a man with a small box in his hand, several people out and about this bar area tonight. A little crowded street going on here tonight. Um... So as a passerby walks, he sees a woman laying there dead. The only thing that was inflicted on her was her throat was slit. No mutilation because Jack the Ripper was interrupted. He could not finish what he started. So now he's extremely irate. He's extremely in the, in the throes of his desires to, to, to do his, his uh, demonic thing. So he will find another one. So he must satisfy his needs. So about the same time they're finding Elizabeth Stride's body, a poor 46-year-old woman named Catherine Eddowes was leaving the police station for a public drunkenness charge she had got. So needing money, needing drugs, needing alcohol, needing a place to lay her head, she meets a man and is ready because this man has money. Now, think, listen to this. This woman was seen around 1.30 a.m. talking to a man. And 15 minutes later, at 1.45, her body was discovered at Maitree Square by workers coming home with her throat cut, her abdomen cut wide open, her intestines thrown out above her shoulder, her uterus removed, kidney removed, earlobe removed, and all this within 15 minutes of her being seen alive? Who is, who is this monster? And, and why is his lust so strong? Now this is when, a few weeks later, the package is delivered to the community watch leader with a half a kidney and the from hell letter. Uh, police officials, now, you know, now they gotta act. Something must be done. But some of these places in this area, police will not even enter unless they're you know, paired with groups of four. This is a rough place. So now we've got three, four murders that are very gruesome. We've got body parts thrown out, women gutted. We've got areas of this White Chapel that police won't even go down. This is a rough and, 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 and gruesome area without Jack the Ripper. So now with this demon running the roads, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They've got a letter, the from hell letter. They've got a kidney from Catherine Eddowes. The letter states that Jack the Ripper has eaten the other half. We've got a cannibal loose on the streets. What is Whitechapel going to do? We'll be right back.
All right, guys, we're back. So Jack the Ripper has killed four victims. He's mutilated three. One of the victims he was interrupted. Two of the victims were brutally, brutally, brutally mangled and dismembered, disfigured, disemboweled, organs taken. It's terrible. The From Hell letter is sent. Piece of the kidney is sent. Watch Chapel police are in an uproar now. So all is pretty much quiet and calm. Did he get his fix on Catherine Eddowes that could calm him down for a while? So far, all four victims have been in their early to mid-40s, and they look 60. They have lived rough, rough, rough lives. God bless them. So... All is quiet except for this package being delivered until November the 9th. So we've got October, November, a little over a month. And this is a little different than the other women. Mary Kelly is only 25. And the others are well into their addiction and in their mid-40s. She makes a little more money because of her age and her looks. So she, unlike the others, has a private room. And she is later on... I'm sorry, and she's late on her rent and will be evicted the next day, so she's desperate. And when she meets a man that she has no choice but to take him back to the privacy of her room. She's seen entering 13 Miller's Court, this is off Dorset Street, by a friend with a man carrying a small box. He stays outside for several hours until he finally goes home, waiting to see if Mary's okay. But he assumes that she is. Now the next morning, the rent collector knocks and knocks, finally looks around in the window and sees the axe of the devil himself. Police can identify the body because this was Jack the Ripper's most horrific and demonic act yet. He had all the time and privacy to cut her throat to her spine, cut her nose off, cut her off her eyelids, Cut her breast off, put one under her head, one at her foot. Totally cut her from vagina to sternum. He disembowels her, throwing her organs over her shoulder, removing all of her organs, putting her liver between her legs. Her heart is missing. Her skin is removed and stacked on the nightstand table. And this ladies and gentlemen, is what's known as your first crime scene photo of Mary Kelly, the final victim of Jack the Ripper. Depending on what you believe, Jack the Ripper just fell off the face of the earth, or did he? Now, Mary Kelly, I want to go into a few more details about what Jack the Ripper was able to do. He spent hours with Mary Kelly. And if you've never seen the crime scene photo, it is... Her whole face is removed. The skin from her face is removed. Her nose is removed. He starts, what he does at her face, basically the, the mutilation of Kelly's face was far removed from the methodical cuts of a surgeon's knife. Facial features would have been removed with the precise incisions of the scalpel. The throat, uh, the surgeon would have carefully cut the throat to access the windpipe, perhaps in a... Practice tra tracheotomy. Kelly's throat was viciously slashed right to the bone. 
Her heart was missing. Her breasts were removed. He took all the skin off the upper part of her leg, revealing all the way down to the bone. All the intestines were missing. She was cut, like I said, from vagina to sternum. You have to see the, the visual of this. It is horrendous. It is terrible. Jack the Ripper disappears into the night. Or does he? Do you think that Jack the Ripper is able to stop killing? I don't. I don't. There's no way. Now, I want to tell this story so people understand that the basics of what what we know about Jack the Ripper. The five that were killed between August 31st and November 9 were absolutely connected to one man and one man named Jack the Ripper. Whether he named himself that or the news editor sent the letter to not giving him that name, we don't know. So let's, let's ask ourselves a few questions. We know that Jack the Ripper strangles these women to just knock them unconscious, which wouldn't take long than to keep them quiet. We know that well, it would only take under a minute to knock them out. And then, you know, on his, on his earlier victims, with, with two slashes, with the sharp knife, he cuts their throat, and they're dead. And everything after isn't about suffering. It's more about the reasons he's here. He gets off on this part. And the more he can cut and remove, the better. Well, what does this mean? We know that on, on victims, he had the opportunity to mutilate. It starts with the reproductive organs, I think. The cut from the vagina, the taking or destruction of the uterus is key to me. If he's trying to take away their ability to bear children, this is possibly his message. And what better way to send it than I'll not only take your uterus, but I'll gut your entire insides. An empty womb. Hollow insides. We'll be right back. Sorry about that, guys. I apologize. I have dogs here, and they're just here. There's nothing I can do about it. I love them. You know, hollow insides. It's the last thing I said. No more pregnancies. No more back alley abortions. To me, the back alley abortions are key. This is the ultimate back alley abortion because his desire to kill started here, I believe, that he performed back alley abortions. He would do the things no other doctor would. Does he have doctor a, a doctor medical background? I think he does. Over the years, his, his urge was fulfilled by, by killing the children and possibly the whores he feels that, that bear them. And as his sickness needed more, he started on his murder spree of 1888 until he climaxed by absolutely destroying Mary Kelly, and then he was gone. And yes, I believe he honed in his skill by performing back alley abortions, knowing where to cut with little to no light and with quickness because he was always looking over his shoulder. That's why other than him supposedly being locked up in 1888, I think someone with the background, and I'll get into my suspect in a minute, would be perfect. 
So, did he stop killing after 1888? I doubt it. He couldn't have the, the sickness was too great. He was either caught, killed, or died shortly after he killed Mary Kelly, no doubt in my mind. But Jack the Ripper is responsible for gruesome and terrible set of murders, but some firsts, we'll say, came from it, like the crime scene photos and other techniques that help solve cases and, and save future lives. Try to tell yourself that as you lay your head down, so lay your head down tonight and close your eyes. But to me, and this is speculation, he, Jack the Ripper, early life goes to medical school. Jack the Ripper completes medical school. He then starts a illegal abortion practice and over the years as abortion is illegal you have with at this time would have to do it in back alleys and over the years I think he would have learned where to cut with little to no light because he's used to being in back alleys with little to no light making cuts to perform these abortions and so over the years he knows where to cut with little to no light Jack the Ripper's M.O. He knows how to do the incisions and the cuts with precision and quickness. Jack the Ripper. So over the years, doing these back, would, back alley abortions would give him the ability to hone, in his, to hone in his ability to cut with no light, to cut with quickness. The two keys with Jack the Ripper and the fact that he has a medical background. So there's no doubt in my mind that Jack the Ripper started by performing back alley illegal abortions. And I think something came of that, and he started by, he took two uteruses that were gone and basically disemboweled all victims except the one that he was interrupted on. And to me, I think this is his way of gutting their womb, of taking, not only will I take the uterus, but I will gut and, and disintegrate your entire womb. Now, here I know that my suspect is technically, according to records, was locked up in prison in 1888. But no better suspect, in my opinion, that would make a perfect suspect for Jack the Ripper is going to be none other than Thomas Neal Cream. And before you start going on, I know he was locked up and they say he wasn't able to do it. But if you're going to tell me that you can technically believe the record keepings of 1888 and seeing the fact that his brother, uh, just a few years after that, was able to purchase his clemency from the governor of Illinois, then shut your mouth. So everything to me, everything, and this is my opinion, everything we know about Thomas Neal Cream, Dr. Thomas Neal Cream, would be, in my opinion, the exact blueprint for Jack the Ripper. He worked toward a medical, medical, medical degree. Now, let's take Thomas Neal Cream out of it. To me, this is who Jack the Ripper is. Let's just say this guy's uh, Jack the Ripper. This would be his background, in my opinion. Worked toward medical degree in the midwife. He, he, he's got a midwife degree. First thing he does after he gets through his medical degree, his, his, his schooling, and sets up an illegal abortion clinic outside the red light district in Chicago. 
killing women during abortions. Now, we know Thomas Cream, Thomas Doe Cream poisoned people, and that's fine. We do know that his father died in 1887, which gave him the money eventually to get his clemency uh, somewhere in the 1890s. But there's no doubt in my mind that one year before Jack the Ripper started in 1888, Thomas Nell Cream's family had the money to get him out of prison. And if you think so, if if you're naive to the fact that he couldn't have been bribed and, and they paid the warden money and they said, hey, say Thomas Nell Cream's here, please give me a break. Now we know that of course, we know that Thomas Neil Cream was supposedly in prison according to the reports, uh, and he was out in 1891. His brother bribed and essentially got clemency from the Illinois governor. But when did he really get out? We know. I'll be right back. My point is this, guys. I apologize for the dogs. Jack the Ripper killed five women. He mutilated them. He he took their organs. He took their uterus. He, he, he decimated their bodies. He hated them. He hated them. They disgusted him. He killed Marianne Nichols, 43, August 31st, 1888. He killed Annie Chapman, age 47, September 8th, 1888. He killed Elizabeth Stride, age 44, on September 30th, 1888. He killed Catherine Eddowes, age 46, September 30th, 1888. Then he killed Mary Kelly, age 25, September the 11th, 1888. Now, your opinions on who Jack the Ripper is, there's a million of them. I know Thomas Neil Cream was incarcerated, according to records. But I do feel like Jack the Ripper, he was able to cut these women, disembowel these women, all within 10 minutes. He knew where to cut, when to cut, with no light. And was basically looking over his shoulder because he was in the street. He was in the middle of the street. I do feel like that Jack the Ripper had a background, with, with a medical background, performing illegal back alley abortions. That's where he got the ability to cut with little to no light. That's where he got the ability to cut in such little time. And that's how he got the ability to cut while looking over his shoulder. Who is Jack the Ripper? They don't know in 133 years. You think they'll find out in another 133 years? Or will this be something that we will always live with? The mystery of who the demonic fiend himself was running the streets of Whitechapel in 1888. Did he come to America? Was he killed? Now, whether you think Thomas Neil Cream is Jack the Ripper, fine, but we all know that at the very end of his life when he was hung, the last three words he was said before the bottom dropped out was, I am Jack. And they hung him. This is the Weekly Podcast. <laughs>